Amen. More about Jesus. Um, Okay, let's bow together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you again for the privilege we have and the freedom we have to come together to worship you, to sing your praises, to declare your excellencies, to exalt your son Jesus. And so we thank you. And Father, as we come into your word, I pray that you prepare our hearts so that we would uh, receive your word and allow, by your Spirit, you to change us so that we would become more and more like your Son, Jesus. So we thank you for this time. We commit it to you now in your Son's precious name. Amen. 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 Well, we as Americans, we live in a society that has a lot. We have a lot here. Um, we have clothing, uh, we have food, we have shelter. Uh, we live even in a wealthy society. We have cars, we have the opportunity to work, uh, we have the ability to uh, provide for our families. And although there's always been the rich and poor, uh, in general, this, uh, this society we live in is quite wealthy. We have really everything physically that we need. You know, even the poorest of poor these days has in their hand the power of a supercomputer with a cell phone, whatever it might be. We have so much these days. We have the Internet. You can access pretty much anything that you need to look up or whatever it might be on the Internet, good or bad, as we see. And seemingly, having all this, you would think we would be content. But we're not. We're not content. Uh, We are a people, we are a sinful people, mankind, that continues to desire, continues to want. But that shouldn't be the way it is with believers, right? We should uh, be content. We know that, right? Yet we know that even though we've been redeemed by the grace of God, we are tempted in these bodies of flesh to desire those things that we think we need, that we think we want. And yet, as we'll see today, uh, the Lord Jesus is the one that keeps us from want. He is the one that brings true contentment. So would you turn your Bibles? We're continuing our look in the Psalms here and turn to Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And we're going to see the secret of contentment. We're going to see that the Lord is our shepherd, our shepherd. Now, the, the word Psalms comes from the Greek word psalmoi, originally meant to pluck a string, uh, to twitch on a string. Obviously, it speaks of music. And we know that the Psalms are Israel's inspired uh, lyrics, inspired by the Spirit, set to music. And within this, we have five books in the Psalms, and within those books, we have 150 Psalms. And by and large, uh, the way we interpret the Old Testament, we need to understand this, that we have the law that speaks of the first five books, the Pentateuch. Uh, we have the prophets. We understand who they are, right? We have the Psalms and then the writings, and those are wisdom writings, as we see. Now, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed, that God spoke it, that no man from any act of his own human will brought about God's word, but men moved by the Spirit spoke from God. And within that, in the Old Testament, we have the law, and then we have the prophets, the law, God bringing down his word to man. Then we have the prophets, God speaking through them to men. Then we have uh, the wisdom and the Psalms where you have one inspired writer speaking to uh, others there. And we see 
then in the Psalms that that is an inspired response back to the Lord, as we see. We see that in the context of David in many of the Psalms. And so with that, we come to Psalm 23. And so let's turn there together, and let's read through it, and then we'll look at it together. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is a very familiar psalm. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. A lot of non-believers will have this psalm read at their, at their funerals. And we'll see later on that it's interesting. Uh, everyone wants the Lord to shepherd them after they've died living their own lives. Uh, but they don't want him to shepherd them during their lives. But for us as believers, the Lord, we're going to see, is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. Now, in this passage, we're going to see, I believe, the secret to contentment. And there's going to be three things we're going to see. First of all, we're going to see the Lord has to be your shepherd or you're going to want. That's just really clear. Secondly, the Lord must be your provider or you're going to be wanting. And lastly, we must live in the understanding of his personal presence in our lives or you are going to want. And then we see the glorious results uh, in the heart of his sheep who trust in the good shepherd. So with that in mind, uh, how can we be content in this world that is driven by want? How can we be content? Notice, first of all, the Lord must be your shepherd. Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now David, inspired by the Spirit, is identifying himself as the writer here. Uh, and again, psalms are inspired lyrics set to music. And here we have David who wrote this psalm. And we know about David, he was the second king of Israel after Saul. We know that he was a man after God's own heart, a man who would do all of God's will, Acts chapter 13. David was a man who believed. David was a man who would obey the Lord. But yet we know David also was a sinner like you and I. And we know David fell greatly uh, in committing adultery with Bathsheba and causing her husband to be murdered, thus culpable for uh, that uh, his death. And yet we know that David, being a real believer, responded to the uh, reproof of Nathan. And we see that he turned. And we see that he was committed to teach sinners. He understood the forgiveness of God in that context, but yet he also understood uh, the consequences that God had declared would be upon his life. David was a godly man. He was a believer, a man after God's heart, one who would do the Lord's will. And he did also, as we see in the Psalms, experience many trials and many difficulties. If you think your life is full of trials, you think your life is bad, read about David. Read David from the Psalms. You'll see uh, he had a lot of difficulty. And you see him pouring out his heart before the Lord, inspired by the Spirit. So first of all, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And in the Old Testament, when we see in English, 
L-O-R-D in large caps. What that means is the translators are saying this is Yahweh in Hebrew. Now, if you have capital L-O-R-D in small caps, that could be Adonai, which means master. But the term Yahweh is the first person uh, of the verb to be in Hebrew. It means I am. I am. We know in Exodus chapter 3, Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they might say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Uh, Yahweh, Asher, uh, uh, Yahweh. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I, The I am has sent you. I am has sent you. He is the self-existent one. He is God. Speaks of deity. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Now, we see in Scripture that Jesus is Lord. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, the Jews are questioning Jesus. Uh, They're questioning him. They've been around him for a while now, and they still don't believe. And they're questioning him. Uh, John 8.53 Surely you are no greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? You could just see them. You know, you see those kids' cartoons with the Bible cartoons. Like, surely you're not this way. You know, you could just see the it pouring out their, their visceral towards him. And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies, who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Isn't that awesome? So Abraham is alive, right? Um, in, 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 in with in heaven and see here the jews therefore said to him you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen abraham jesus said to them truly truly i say to you before abraham was born i am he's saying he's the i am therefore they picked up stones to throw at him because but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple You see, Jesus is Lord. He is God in human flesh. And he has also revealed himself, as we're going to see in our passage, to be the shepherd of the sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, here we see David saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, what's a shepherd? Now, physically speaking, we understand what a shepherd is. It's one who's in charge of the welfare of the sheep that are in their charge. And good shepherds take care of their flocks. Bad shepherds don't take care of their flocks. Good shepherds, as we see, feed, protect, and care for their sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, sheep are dumb. They'll get into trouble and they will die if they're not watched over and shepherded. And remember that David was a shepherd before he became a king. Now, in Scripture, the Lord metaphorically identifies himself as the good shepherd. Turn to John 10. He identifies himself as the good shepherd. John 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he he who does not enter by the door of the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and when he calls his own sheep by name, he leads them out. But when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but they flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what things which were which were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd is the one who, and not not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep beholds the wolf coming, the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. You see, God took on human flesh. He became like us. And according to God's predetermined plan, uh, Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, the one in whom all the sacrifices pointed to, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he is also called the great shepherd of the sheep who rose from the dead, Hebrews 13, verse 20. And he is also called the chief shepherd, First Peter 5. Verse 4. Now, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sins. And when we trust in him, believing he died for our sins, returning from sin to him, our sins are forgiven and we become his sheep, the sheep of the good shepherd who laid down his life for us and now takes care of us. And David, he knew this good shepherd. He knew this good shepherd. He was one who was blessed by the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 32, verse 1, a masculine of David. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Can you say the Lord is your shepherd? Can you say, some people say he is. But many are not truly his sheep. We become his sheep when we humbly trust him for salvation. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned or turned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. It is through Jesus Christ 
alone that we are saved and we become his sheep. And so David says clearly here, the Lord is my shepherd. So first of all, can you say without a doubt, the Lord is your shepherd? But notice what David says after this. It's quite interesting. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Again, verse 1, I shall not want. The term want means to lack something. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, some of our English translations are not the best. There's really no shall in this. You could literally translate, and there's one that does translate it this way, I do not lack, or I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, not I shall not lack in the future, but I do not lack. I lack nothing. Really, literally, I lack nothing. This is a tremendous statement for a human being. David, beset with sin, having failed, yet redeemed and forgiven, says, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You see, this is where uh, we need to be in heart. If we see our shepherd, Jesus Christ, rightly, this psalm obviously will help us to do so. And when we see him rightly, we're going to see that when we're walking rightly with him, we really are not going to lack any good thing. We're not going to lack any good thing because the Lord is our shepherd. And we need to renew our minds because we go through these times of want. We go through these times of unfulfilled desires. And those are those times where our shepherd and us, we're getting a little far away from each other. We're moving away in a sense. We're going to see today that we have to be trusting in the Lord, walking with him, abiding in him, and we're going to see that will bring about a contentment no matter what happens, no matter what happens. It's not that we may not lack something. We may lack something, but we are not going to lack. We're going to be content because of our relationship with Jesus. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or I lack nothing. Now, if you're honest with yourselves, and if we're honest with ourselves, uh, there are times when we want, when we're wanting, we're lacking. But if the Lord is our shepherd, we need to come to the place where we can truly say, in that relationship, I actually lack nothing. He has everything I need. He is everything I need. And although I feel like I need something, I really don't. I have everything I need. I have the Lord as my shepherd. So what's the secret to contentment, no matter what the circumstance First and foremost, it is Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. It is the Lord. He must be your shepherd or you will never be content. You will never be content. And if he is your shepherd because you have repented of your sins and trusted in him for the forgiveness of sins, you can see him. You'll, you can, if you see him rightly, you're not going to want. You're not going to want. Now, we'll see later on that the Apostle Paul understood how to be content. He understood whether he had nothing or whether he had a lot. The secret of contentment, I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. It is Jesus Christ. So some of you today may be in tremendous want. You are driven every day by your wants. Every single day your life is pulled by those things. I guarantee you will not be satisfied, and I guarantee you are not satisfied. What you truly need is Jesus Christ. What you truly need is the Lord Jesus. So then we have the Lord is my shepherd. We could stop right there, right? 
We can, but actually there's more, right? We have here the reality God doesn't stop her because we can be self-deceived. We can understand he's our shepherd. We can think we are being shepherded, but actually we might be shepherding ourselves. And then we are going to see that we will not be content. So David, inspired by the Spirit, provides some indicators of what it looks like when you actually are having the Lord shepherd you, when he is your shepherd, and when you are not lacking anything. Notice, first of all, the Lord within this must be your provider. He's got to be the one. We look to anyone and everyone else to provide for us. The Lord has to be the one who provides for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice what he says, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Here we have four tremendous statements about the Lord, all beginning with the word he. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack nothing. He, 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 he. He's going to say, this is what he does. This is his testimony of what God does. Four things that have something in common. They all speak of the good shepherd, the one who provides what we truly need. You see, we might have a long list of things we think we need, right? But to, to truly not lack, uh, we're going to see there's really only four things that we truly need. And in those, we will be content if we allow the Lord to provide them. Notice, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, provides our spiritual food. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, in keeping with the shepherd metaphor, the idea of a shepherd making a sheep lie, the sheep lie down in green pastures, it carries the understanding of everything that a shepherd would understand that we need to understand, specifically that when sheep are well-fed, they lie down. When they're well-fed, they lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The implication is I have all the food I need. I have all the food I need. I am amply fed and now resting. That's what it means in the metaphor. Now, what is this food that the great shepherd gives us? Folks, throughout scripture, we see that God provides us the spiritual food we need, which is the word of God. Indeed, we see that those who are charged in the church, within his church, are charged to feed his sheep. Charged to feed the sheep of Jesus. We read this during our offertory, but I'm going to read it again. John chapter 21, verse 15. This is after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, and he's restoring Peter. John 21:15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. Now that word tend is probably not the best translation. Bosca means to feed. Now shepherds know when you tend a lamb, you're feeding the lamb. So he says, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. That's a great answer, by the way. Um, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend or feed my sheep. Feed, shepherd, feed. Peter, you want to be restored. Do you love me? Obey me and feed my sheep. That's the responsibility of those who are called in the body to feed the sheep. God has brought them forth. 
Now, there were always those who pretended to do so that didn't do so. There are bad guys out there. Ezekiel 34, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? They weren't feeding the flock the word of God. They were keeping it back from them. Now we know that God gave different gifts. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, Ephesians 4.11, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, God brought us into a relationship with him. We were born again through the living and abiding word of God. And it is through his word that we grow in respect to salvation. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, having put aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. And God gives us everything we need for life and godliness through a relationship with him in the context of his word. 2 Peter 1.3 Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own excellence and glory, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Promises. We have everything we need. We have ample food, spiritually speaking. If we submit to him and yield to him, seeking him through his word, he causes us to lie down in green pastures. We have everything we need. You can't say God hasn't given you spiritually what you need. He has given you everything that you need. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. We lack nothing in regards to spiritual food. Is provided through Jesus, through his word. Well, notice back in our passage, he also provides our spiritual drink. He makes me lie down, verse 2, in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Again, the metaphor of a shepherd. Uh, the statement, he leads me besides quiet waters. He's leading to a nice still brook, uh, all the water they need. He's not talking about rough white water. He's talking about quiet waters. Quiet waters. Well, what's he speaking about here in the context of this metaphor of shepherding? Well, I believe he's speaking of the reality of the Spirit of God that quenches our thirst for our relationship for him, as we see. John chapter 7, uh, verse 37, Jesus said, Well, we have now in the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who had believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not been given, not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We know as believers, 1 Corinthians 12, for by one Spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of or partake of one Spirit. We have the Spirit of God. You see, the Scripture teaches that all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have received the Spirit of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. The Spirit indwells every believer, Romans 8, 9. And as we depend upon Jesus, allowing his Spirit-empowered word to work in us, the Spirit empowers us thus to then live 
holy lives. The Spirit of God produces the character of Christ in us as we walk by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians 5.22. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, hey, we have life through the Spirit of God as believers. Let us also walk by the Spirit. We see uh, very clearly that the Spirit of God guides us. We have spiritual gifts uh, from the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. The Spirit of God guides us and teaches us, 1 John 2.27. He enables us to understand the inspired Word of God, 1 Corinthians 2. He intercedes for us, Romans 8.26. He helps and comforts us and gives us good hope, John 14 and 15 and Romans 5. And so in keeping with the metaphor of a shepherd who gets us to the food, and brings us near water, it's when we rely on Christ, we, we trust in him, we abide in him, his spirit produces in us his character, everything we need. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord, Zechariah chapter 4. Indeed, in Christ Jesus, from our innermost spirit shall flow rivers of living water. In keeping with the food and drink metaphor, God gives us everything we need, spiritually speaking. We have his word, we have his spirit. Yet when we do not allow the Lord to shepherd us, we stray. We settle for the dirty, polluted ponds along the way. And we suffer temporarily for it. When we rely on anything other than the Lord, when we trust in anything other than him, we're to trust in the Lord with our entire heart. We're not to lean on our understanding. In all our ways, we're to acknowledge him. When we rely on other things, we, we partake of that polluted water. Let me ask you this. Are you allowing the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd, to provide for you everything you need for life and godliness by his word, through his spirit? Well, you need to make a choice for that. You need to make a choice to be in the Word. You need to make a choice to be in a church that teaches the Word. You need to be in the Word. You need to make a choice to walk by His Spirit to allow Him to lead you. But be warned, we can trust in other things. Jeremiah 2.12 Be appalled, O heavens, and at this shudder be very desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Do not trust in man. Do not trust in yourself. Do not trust in your own wisdom. Trust in the Lord. Allow his spirit to guide you. Allow Jesus to shepherd you by his word through his spirit. Don't go to other things. And maybe practically speaking, some of you have forsaken the Lord. You don't fill your heart with his word. You don't rely on his spirit. And guess what? You are in want. Confess and be forgiven and let him feed you with his word and let him quench your spiritual thirst as you rely on his spirit and abide in him. Now notice, if we do that, there's refreshing. There's refreshing. Back in our passage, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes, my, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He, again, he, 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 it's personal. He restores my soul. The term restore here speaks of turning back, returning. It speaks of being restored, renewed, being brought back to where something should be. He restores my soul. 
See, the Lord Jesus renews our souls through his word by his spirit when we trust in him and allow him to lead us. He restores our soul. We saw this in Psalm 19 last week. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, restoring the soul. And you all, if you are true believers, know what I'm talking about. When our thinking gets off, when we sin, whatever it might be, our souls are burdened by sin. And we read the word of God and he works in us and we confess and we get right with him. He restores our souls. We're renewed. And who does this? Our shepherd does. He restores our soul. Yes, he uses his word. Yes, he uses his spirit. But he does it. He does it. Some of you are in need of soul restoration. And I encourage you to allow Jesus to personally, by his spirit, through his word, restore your soul. For he is the only one who can do so. The good shepherd. Now notice, not only does he give us everything we need for life and godliness and restore our souls, notice he also provides guidance for us. We wonder, hey, which way do we go? What do we do, Lord? I need your guidance. Well, notice what he says here. He restores my soul, verse 3. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, this is the part that's left out, by the way, by those who want to quote Psalm 23 and live a life of hell, and then they die, and their family quotes Psalm 23 and their death. They don't want to be guided by Jesus in paths of righteousness. They've lived paths of sin all their life. They just want to feel better about their loved one who has died. Sadly, they hadn't come to the Lord, eternally sadly. But here we see that he, again, guides me personal in the paths of righteousness. David's saying he does this. He does this. The term guide speaks literally of leading. The term path spoke of tracks or entrenchments that the wheels would make. These paths, these tracks. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Very personal. He guides me in the path of righteousness. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not simply his word alone. It is God through his word by his spirit. It is Jesus doing it. The Lord is my shepherd. It's Jesus. The Lord directs us, go this way. Don't go that way. He directs us in paths of righteousness. Do this, don't do that. And he does it through his word. The Lord guides us in a way that's right. And again, how does he do it? Through his word. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. We see this so very clearly in Proverbs 2. He speaks to us through his word by his spirit to guide us in paths of righteousness, to protect us from sin and evil. Proverbs chapter 2, my son, if you'll receive my sayings and treasure my commands within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. That's his word, by the way, comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice, he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern, notice the word, righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. 
David says it's personal. He does so. Remember, Jesus said his true sheep hear his voice. If you're really Jesus' sheep, you hear him talking to you through the word. And you listen to it. You hear him. And you follow him. Yes, we don't follow perfectly, but we confess and we're forgiven. And he guides us and leads us. Tremendous, tremendous God. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Then they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Now, why does he do this? Notice it's very interesting. End of verse 3, for his name's sake. Folks, the Lord's name is bound up in our walk as his children, his sheep. He has chosen to identify with us. And if we walk in unrighteousness as true believers, it can cause his name to be blasphemed or spoken against. For his namesake, for his righteous holy name, he leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us in paths of righteousness. So then, so far we have a very personal group of declarations concerning David's relationship with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the picture of a true believer who is being led by Jesus. One who sees his Savior and Lord rightly. One who recognizes that everything we truly need comes from him. Go to Jesus. Everything we need. David shares this in Psalm 37 or 34. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, 34.9. For those who fear him, there is no want. There's no want. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. There's no want. Let me ask you this. Is the Lord your shepherd? Can you honestly say he feeds you with his word, empowers you with his spirit, bringing life, that he restores your soul and guides you in the path of righteousness? Can you honestly say that? If not, and you are a believer, then you've been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Confess your sin, be restored, and allow the Lord to shepherd you. Now, inherently in the reality of the Lord being our shepherd, there needs to be an understanding of his presence in our lives. David says, he, 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 but now he's going to change. He's going to start really praying. You'll see it's a prayer between him and the Lord. Notice what he says, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow, I, will fear no, I fear no evil, for thou. He's speaking to the Lord. He's given his example, Lord's a shepherd. He does this, this, and this. Now he's talking to the Lord. You see? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a big change here. In the first few verses, we had my, 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 me. And now here, we have thou. We have you. There's a change. You see, if the Lord is your shepherd, there's going to be an understanding that he is with you, even in times of evil and trials, protecting us so that we need not fear. It's a real relationship. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Here, because David, here, because the Lord is David's shepherd, because he has everything he needs through his word by his spirit, because his soul is being restored, because he's being led in righteousness through the word working in his heart, 
we see the wonderful result here that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, thou art with me. He's saying in these dark times that the Lord is leading him, even in these dark times. He's leading him through them. You see, frankly, um, we're going to, brothers and sisters, go through evil. Difficult times. Evil brought forth through evil men and women. Evil situations. Some that might cause us or tempt us to be extremely fearful. And the Lord is allowing it to happen. But notice, David's not scared. He knows the Lord is with him. That's why. That's why. It's that simple. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow, I fear not evil, for thou art with me. Lord, you are with me in this. You are with me in this. And so I'm not going to fear. You see, if the Lord is your shepherd and he's guiding you through his word, by his word, and you experience those deep, dark valleys and difficulties, we need not fear for one reason, because the Lord is with us. He's with us. Some verses that were, have been very encouraging to me and helpful, Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There was a time in my life I lived in that verse. I lived in that verse, and I knew he would strengthen me. I knew he would uphold me, and I knew he was with me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your character be free, be free of the love of money, be content with what you have. Right? And well, what do you have? For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Boy, you need to be solid in the Lord, allowing him to shepherd you. You need him to shepherd you. And then you can trust in him because he is with you. He is with you. He's the good shepherd. He's not going to run away when things go bad in your life. He's not going to run away like the hireling. He gave his life for you and for me. He is a good shepherd. He protects us no matter how evil things are. He is with us. And thus we need not fear. Paul understood this. At the end of his life, he shares this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He says, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. And notice this gracious attitude. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth, he says. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed. He's going to tell me, that's faith. He believes it. He understands that. And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We need to stop fearing and shaking in our boots. We need to start trusting the Lord. And yes, when we begin to fear, turn to the Lord. He's so gracious. Turn to him. Turn to him and do not fear. How many times have we see in scripture, do not fear. Do not fear. So then... He's with us. We need not fear. He's never going to lead us, leave us nor forsake us. Leave us nor forsake us. And notice there's even comfort. There's comfort in this. Thy rod, end of verse 4, and thy staff, they comfort me. Shepherd's rod, symbol of authority, also used to ward off those who to attack the sheep, used to discipline wayward sheep, used to pull them uh, back to guide them, 
to hit them if they needed to be hit. And David is saying, in the darkest times of the greatest evil, the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with him, protecting him with his rod, guiding him with the staff, and all of that's a comfort. It's a comfort. He says here, they comfort me. They comfort me. He's with us in the deepest and darkest of times. And notice, in those times, there may be personal enemies and conflict. And he even says the Lord serves us in these times. Look at verse 5. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Very interesting. David had a lot of enemies. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have enemies. Satan is our enemy, and those in his domain are, are all potential enemies. You see? He says, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The term of preparing a table carries the idea of being served personally by the Lord. He's preparing a table. He's making it up. He's getting it ready. It also implies that this is done in the presence of my enemies. See that? Presence of my enemies. The implication is Jesus is going to reveal that he is on our side. And our enemies are inevitably going to see it. Either now or in eternity, our enemies are going to know that he is on our side. He is our shepherd. And notice, uh, he also heals us in times of hurt. Look at verse the end of verse 5. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. What does that mean? Again, a personal statement from David to the Lord. You did this, Lord. His shepherd has done this. What's he speaking of? Well, certainly he could spoke of the anointing as oil as a king, but I don't think that's what's being spoken of here in this context. Remember, the context is being shepherded. Now, shepherds would care for their flock. They would anoint them with oil. They would put it on their heads. They would heal their wounds. They could keep insects off of them, whatever it might be. Sheep didn't rest very well if they had wounds and bugs irritating them. And shepherds would anoint them with oil. And the Lord is our healer. When we get beaten up, we get wounded. He anoints our head with oil. He heals us. He takes care of us like sheep. He's the good shepherd. And then notice what he says here. Alluded to it. Uh, uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. What a statement. Even in the midst of the greatest evil, the valley of the shadow of death, I don't think it's worse than that, by the way. Enemies, wounds. The Lord is the good shepherd. He says, my cup overflows. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no want. My cup overflows. Folks, to the degree that we allow the Lord to shepherd us through his word, by his spirit, is the degree we will have no want and an overflowing cup. I mentioned this earlier, but Paul shares this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, not that I speak from one, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along in humble means. I know how to get, I know how to live in prosperity in every, any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the Lord. It's the Lord's a personal relationship. So when your heart is overwhelmingly content with Jesus, uh, then you're not going to be in any want. He supplies everything you need. And then notice the sure result, the result that, that lingers in our hearts. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all days of my life. We tend to say, oh, trials and difficulties are everywhere all the days of my life. And that may be true, but that's not the full story. He says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He closes out this psalm concerning the rest of his life and eternity. David is absolutely certain, surely, because the Lord is his shepherd, he has no want, because the Lord is providing everything he needs, because the Lord is not going to leave him. He absolutely, positively, surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness speaks of the Lord's goodness here. Loving kindness speaks of his his, uh, loyal love demonstrated in the forgiveness of sins. The very wonderful nature of my God will follow me every day of my entire life. Isn't that great? God's goodness and loyal love follows us around. That's wonderful to think of. It pursues us, that's the word, pursues us all the days of our life. Boy, we sure complain a lot. We need to do all things without complaining and grumbling. And we need to start declaring these wonderful truths about what God is doing and believe them. David believed it because it was true. Because of the character of his loving shepherd, good and loving shepherd, forgiving shepherd, these things will follow him all the days of his life. They will pursue him. You know, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. He's going to take the evil and turn it to good. They may mean it for evil, but God means it for good. God is a good God who is turning evil to good. And he is pursuing us with goodness and loving kindness. When you start thinking about how bad everything is and all this and that, renew your mind with the truth. God is pursuing you and I, his sheep, with goodness and loving kindness when we allow him to shepherd us. Surely, goodness and loving kindness pursue me all the days of my life. And then notice what he says. For eternity, his destiny is secure, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Goodness and mercy, goodness and loving kindness pursuing me all the days of my life, and guess what? I'm going to dwell with him forever. I'm going to dwell with the Lord forever. Look at this little portion, Revelation chapter 7 with me for a second, about those who have been martyred and now uh, were, were with the Lord in heaven. Revelation 7, verse 16. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more, neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd, and he shall guide them to springs, the springs of the water of life, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Lamb, their shepherd, he's right there with them. David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, when we believe in Jesus Christ and he is your shepherd, you will have eternal life. 
eternal life in Jesus Christ. It is assured. Well, I began speaking about the world and how uh, all of us, before we were saved, we had a continual uh, list of wants and desires that were never fulfilled. And we chased those things. The frantic search for happiness. We chased that. And I guarantee right now, if you were living in an unsatisfied life, then in some way, shape, or form, Jesus is either not your shepherd or you're not allowing him to shepherd you. Today, there are some in whom the great shepherd calls upon you to be saved, to enter through him, to be his sheep. Right now, Satan is your shepherd by default. But the Lord Jesus died for your sins. And if you're willing to humble yourself and admit your sins and turn to Jesus, cry for salvation, he'll save you and he will be your shepherd. And what about us? Well, we know the secret to contentment, contentment first and foremost is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And to the degree that we allow him to shepherd us is the degree we will be content. Today we've seen David wholeheartedly allow the Lord to shepherd him. The Lord feeds, empowers, leads, and is with him and with us in the darkest moments, pursuing us with his goodness and mercy all the way to glory. Brothers and sisters, we need to remember this. We need to allow the Lord to shepherd us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this psalm. And I thank you for your servant, David. And I thank you for your son, Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Father, thank you that he laid down his life for us and that he now actively shepherds us through your word by your spirit. May we all be renewed and refreshed by your word. May we understand these truths. May we live them day to day so that you'll be greatly glorified in our lives for now and eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And John, if we could sing, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. <laughs>